0: This is The Hockey Flow. It's a great show that brings you the best of the action on ice, and I'm pleased to bring you the best commentators in the game that haven't yet been discovered. You're lucky people here. You get it right here first. Marco D'Amico and Adam Boucher bring it to you and bringing you the best of the world on ice. I'm AJ Cordero. Let me just quickly tell you some things. First of all, you can find our show at The Hockey Flow on Twitter. So that's D A H O C K E Y F L O W on Twitter. You can find Adam B, of course, really Adam B, on Twitter, and Marco can be found at DiscriminationStats.com, and, and of course, at The Hockey expert let's get right into it uh where we want to start off with boys i think there's quite a lot of hockey action that we want to get up to we weren't able to record an episode last week which we might talk a little bit about at the end but i think probably the thing we want to start off with is last night's game in toronto do you want to start there adam
1: sure so we had um the leafs uh winning by they were winning five to one and ended up losing six five in overtime uh Dadanov tied it late in the game, and he ended up scoring the the overtime winner, which is pretty crazy uh now that Ottawa has do they still have three wins and they have two against the Leafs, one against Montreal, which is what a game yeah, basically
2: yeah, I mean, damn, you know at the beginning of that uh second period. I thought to myself, oh, this is going to be a snoozer. I might as well change the channel. And uh, holy moly, was I wrong. I mean, I I didn't even see the second goal, the Nick Paul goal, uh, right before the end of the, the the second period. And by the time I flipped back to the game, uh, it was already 5-5. Uh, and I watched the overtime. And yeah, it was just overall... To me one of the most surprising turnarounds, especially when it's when you consider that it's Ottawa uh, and and what they've done against the Leafs in the past, like sure they've beaten them, but then they've proceeded to get slammed time and time again by every other team uh, except for Montreal. Uh, you know for, for me it, it, it was very evident uh, who came to play in the third period um, or at the end of the second and then into the third. Uh, it was a tight game overall in terms of shots, but really just quality play. Uh, from the Senators in the third period. Um, Really, for me, just looking at, you know, the Leafs and the way that they're playing, uh, it's the Austin Matthews show. I think we can all attest to this. Guy's got 20 points in 15 or 16 games. It's pretty ridiculous the season he's got, and he's got 13 goals doing that, so that's pretty impressive. Um, Outside of that, you know, uh, you do have the secondary scoring. I mean, they did score five goals, guys. But With the Leafs, it'll always and it'll per- per- perpetually be this issue. It's the defense, and yeah, they could have some good games like Justin Hole can play a really good game one, one night here, one night there, so can Morgan Riley. Uh, but when the team is on and when the team's got momentum and they're you know the pressure's on, that's when the Leafs defense just simply doesn't have it for me. Um, know and, and ultimately, unless they plan to play a tight game they cannot adjust properly in a game to play a tight game to really close up the game they'd really have to go into it to start the game and end the game that way that's that's the way like when they played Montreal for example they played a tight game start the game because that was their game plan and they just played it the whole way through but if they wanted to play rope-a-dope hockey with any club in this division uh, and suddenly the momentum starts to slip them. Even though they have a potent offensive machine, we've seen them incapable of adjusting in game to these pressures.
1: And that's the thing. It looks like it looks like Toronto. Like they're high scoring. We all know that, but they can't. They, they really have trouble keeping the lead. Is it? Are we again going to debate is Anderson the guy to 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 carry them in the playoffs? Who knows? Uh, I. Personally, I want to swing it back to Ottawa's side though. What a fun team to watch. Like we all destroyed them early on in in, in our season previews. And now we have players like uh, Drake Batterson, you have Tim Studzla, you have um even Thomas Shabbat, who we already knew was the number one defenseman on that team, is coming to play. And now you have some guys like Josh Norris, even Dadinov who started scoring now. So who knows? They might actually surprise and, and just come and, and just mix up the teams in that Canadian division. Who knows? Um, other than that, AJ, any thought on that game? It was
0: 5-1. Yeah. 5-1. Uh, pretty brutal to see. I'm not really sure. I would say that I, it's hard to... Uh, t- I mean, I, I listen, I would I, I love to rag on Leafs fans because you're Leafs fans, but it kind of felt just sad and embarrassing. And so I, I don't really want to, to sort of rag on anybody there. You brought up Anderson. I'm no goaltending expert, um, but it seems like he slides around the crease way too much to chase the puck. And he puts himself out of position and he, he can't make a save on a pass when it comes across the net. So it's it seems like the, that kind of stuff is going to really hurt you. I think to answer your question from earlier, and again, I'm not a Leafs fan, but I don't think he is the guy to take them into the playoffs, right? So we look at this situation, we have to be honest about it. And I, again, I'm, I am not dunking in on Leafs fans, even though I really want to, but this just felt like such a collapse, like such a, a collapse that you you think it was to... You know, I don't know. Anyway, I I I don't want to rag in on you guys. We already got embarrassed by Ottawa this season, so it seems to be that's the thing. And I think I love your point about this. Like Ottawa's a fun team to watch, just a terrible team to have to play. Like I don't want to see them for a little bit, you know. But except, unfortunately, we're seeing them next Sunday, right?
1: And that's the thing. Uh, Yeah, next Sunday, I believe. And that's the thing. They're like they're boring to play because they have that system, but. they they're able to mix it with a, a fun mix of young players, which makes them fun to watch against those top teams. Um, and yeah, I had I actually had a friend who sent me a, a rumor today. I have no clue if it's actually credible, and I'll, I'll want Marco's opinion on that. But uh, the rumor that John Gibson would want out of Anaheim. So could, wow, that would be a I, bombshell. I have no clue if it's actually like a real rumor or not. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think imagine so. Imagine Toronto going after another Anaheim goaltender.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Uh, I would say so. I think it's the uh, Anaheim goaltender they probably should have gone for Uh, when they acquired Anderson, in my opinion, uh, even if it would have cost them more. Not that the Anderson trade was bad by any means, but still, it's 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 funny to to see them going back to the same waters if 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 that were to happen. However, I will say this: if John Gibson is able to free himself of that Anaheim defense, uh, I fully expect him to put up Vesna numbers on a, on a competitive team with a very competitive defense. So, definitely something to watch out for. I think another team that would be extremely interested in John Gibson. And his and his contract uh, is the Colorado Avalanche. Um, Pittsburgh, no, Pittsburgh doesn't have the cap space to do shit. Like I'm sorry, um, but when it comes to when it comes to a, a team that's just a goaltender away from just being a perennial contender, and that goaltender has a very respectable cap hit, uh, I think of the Colorado Avalanche uh, right off the bat. Uh, I think maybe a team like the Nashville Predators would be willing to dangle an Askarov uh, as the Anaheim Ducks are rebuilding and they are in the last legs of competition. Could be an option. Um, and then definitely a team that I could see swinging for the fences and just absolutely going for a goaltender to to, to help them as they they continue whatever it is they're doing is the Arizona Coyotes. Because quite frankly, they're, they're kind of top gapping as well. And then to an even lesser degree, the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I feel like they thought they had their 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 franchise goaltender in Dubnik. They got rid of him. Kakinen is there, but if you can if you can upgrade a Kakinen into a Gibson, that streamlines your rebuild. That puts you in a in the driver's seat. And already we see early signs of Kaprizov turning into a potential star player for them. So. You know, Marco Rossi isn't even playing for them yet. And they have a lot of other guys that are kind of making their way there. And, and you have guys like Greenway and Eck that are peaking. So Minnesota is a team that I could see also being interested. But again, any trade for Gibson would involve futures, would involve potentially a high-end goalie prospect that could be ready soon. Uh, because to me, Gibson is, is probably the most underappreciated goaltender in the league. That's the, that's the way I see it. So if that rumor is true, oh my God.
0: And so you you're you confirmed to all I just breaking the hearts of many a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. No 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 return for the home son. No return for Gibson back to his hometown in Pittsburgh. No. Yeah, it, just absolutely There, there no you have offense. it everyone. <laughs> Marco ruining dreams. Anyway, let's move along and let's talk about other dreams that have been ruined. Uh let's talk about Gal Chenyak and his crazy road trip. Um so Adam, you take the lead on this one because this is just a complicated carousel of cars, apparently.
1: Yeah. So basically, in the laps of maybe thirty hours, twenty four hours, he went from he oh. he had three different teams. He went on on the waiver wire. He got didn't get claimed. So basically, he went from Ottawa to Carolina. At, didn't even travel to Carolina, went on waivers, didn't get claimed and then got traded to Toronto in a package deal that saw uh, Toronto getting rid of two players under contract, I believe. So basically freeing up uh, two contract spots for them. And they have been able to assign Galchenyuk to the Marlies, their AHL club. So not even the taxi squad. That's, I guess the Galchenyuk road trip continues and he's one step closer to the KHL in my opinion
2: honestly I said at the beginning of the season I, I, I called Galchenyuk signing uh, with uh, <clears throat> CSK Moscow uh, as of 2021 but that was my prediction when he when I saw he signed with the Senators now I find it quite hilarious that he is playing for an Ontarian team or a part of an Ontarian team in Canada and then gets traded to Carolina in the states. But wait, he waits while on waivers to see if he gets claimed. Doesn't get claimed, and then gets traded to the most to, to 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 the other Ontarian team, resulting in no need for quarantine. And for those that are wondering, well, why didn't Toronto just claim Galchenyuk when they could have? Because Galchenyuk was waived, he can immediately be assigned. To their taxi squad had he been claimed normally through waivers he would have had to play on the Leafs roster he would have had to be part of the roster or they would have had to waive him again to put him on the taxi squad so sometimes a player is more attractive to trade for once they've already cleared waivers once the risk of waivers is gone because you don't want to waste an asset to acquire an asset that you can then lose through waivers so if, if the risk is gone it made sense And look, the Leafs know they're going to probably make the playoffs. So they're looking to get as much quality possible depth that they can get. And as much as we want to harp on Galchenyuk, uh, if you put him on a power play wave that includes a Joe Thornton, a Jason Spezza, and a William Nylander uh, on the second wave, and you put him at that that, that right circle for the one-timer, he could be useless the rest of the game, but he's going to be useful in that situation. So as far as I'm concerned, good job Leafs. You need all the winger depth that you can use and i yes galchenyuk is a winger
1: let's be honest that's what i was saying to some of my friends am i crazy thinking that if there's one team that could basically rebound galchenyuk's career it's it's the leafs like with the 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 talent they have and you just give him not even top six minutes as you said give him maybe third line minutes with power play time and who knows what could happen right Look,
2: I'll I'll say it and, and please, please, Leafs fans, I, I say this with respect, but when the Ottawa Senators have a better left wing depth chart than you, your left wing depth chart sucks. And Galchenyuk plays on the left wing now. Uh it just makes total sense to me. Now that, you know, Robertson is playing with the Marlies, uh, you know, he can play left wing, he can't play right wing. Um, you know, Joe Thornton is easing back into his role as well, but Joe Thornton's not a, a bona fide left winger. Uh, If you want a guy that you can maybe plug on your second or third line and could be set up properly by a Kerford or Tavares, just as a trigger guy, Galchenyuk can be that guy. Because if there's one thing Galchenyuk has is good shooting talent and, um, you know, very good stick handling skills. So maybe he could uh, fill in for a few games. And if there's injuries, maybe you can bump him up the lineup to a a third or a, a second line should there be a need. So to me, the only thing that didn't make sense was who the Leafs traded for him which was Korsakov and that to me makes absolutely no sense because here's a guy that's actually lighting it up in the 31 KHL 31 points in 53 or games
0: or something like that.
2: Yeah, but like that's good numbers. Like Vitali Kraftsov in the a- in the KHL is 20 putting up less than that and Rangers fans think he's god. So I I'm a little confused because I think I think Korshkov has an NHL career ahead of him if he so cho- chooses to cross the pond. But that's, so that's a big asterisk, that, right?
0: Like, how, how, how likely is it that he becomes a Canes player in this particular COVID environment?
2: Pretty likely. Well, not in the COVID environment, but I don't think this trade was made for this a COVID environment. Russian, Russian hockey players or KHL-affiliated players, their rights never expire upon drafting. You keep them. So Korshkov can stay in the prospect pool for the Canes, as long as they it takes to get them over. So I like you. We saw it with Kaprizov. the He he was drafted five years ago, and is only now playing for the Wild. So it goes to show you that it is more than possible to wait on these guys. And the Carolina Hurricanes, with the depth of their prospect pool and the way that they're building, have that patience, have that time to ease Korshkov into their system. So I think it was a win for Carolina as well because that's. Not a nobody prospect. That's not a nothing prospect for them. I think that that's a player that could potentially be playing for their AHL affiliate uh, within the next 18 months. So, yeah, and I them. mean, uh,
0: just to confirm that those numbers were 31 points through 53 games. It's a career best season for Korshkov, which is pretty insane. I think you're right, uh, though, Marco. I think that they're, but the, the way the Leafs lose this deal is both if Korshkov returns and Gal flops. But if that, that's a big asterisk, especially if they're only expecting bottom six minutes from Galchenyuk. I don't think there's really that much, like, there's not much to lose.
2: Yeah, there is not much to lose in a situation like this. I just don't see how a team that needs left-wingers in their pipeline would trade one of their better left-winger prospects for a stopgap like Galchenyuk. That's me. However, when you factor in COVID, the limitations, quarantine periods... I, it, look, I get it makes sense because they can get Galchenyuk privy to their team, that it be the Marlies, their taxi squad, or their actual NHL roster like this without having to wait instantly. Um, so I can understand that. Um, and it changes the dynamics of value when it comes to trade accessibility to a player. Um, we saw with Pierre-Luc Dubois versus Patrick Liney Dubois had to wait uh, 10 plus days. Liney was able to get on a plane as soon as he left Ottawa and play the very same day. So to me, it makes sense. I wouldn't have done the trade if I were Toronto, because as they said at the beginning of the season, they boast incredible depth. But uh clearly, like like we've all seen, uh depth goes away quickly when injuries start to Plus pile Dubas
0: up. likes to have the betting on skill, right? With like a small cap hit. It's not the first time he's done this. He did it with Wayne Simmons, Jimmy Vesey. Like there's a lot here that we can totally take away from this, right? So um again uh, good luck to you again we're not trying to rag on leaves fans this episode although it happens to seem that way but we're not we're just trying to be as objective as we possibly can in our very non-objective fandom of the montreal canadians anyway let's move along from there and let's talk a little bit more about the liney situation which is happening in columbus uh marco do you want to take this
2: what in regards to him uh, and yeah, so because
0: so we kind of have like some conclusion to this. It's like, I mean, it was kind of like a big brouhaha for a week. And now it's sort of like simmering down. I
2: mean, guys, come on. Let, let's let just this is a non-issue. This is literally what happens when bored hockey fans look at a situation and go, oh, my God, there's a problem. This is the NHL. John Tortorella is an a-hole with his players. He gets the best out of him by doing that. Uh, a lot of star players will tell you. Vinny Lecavalier will tell you. Martin Selim, Louis will tell you. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's his style of coaching. And if it didn't work, Columbus wouldn't make the playoffs for straight years. A nothing franchise generally making the playoffs consistently because their coach teaches discipline. And you have players like Cam Atkinson coming out saying, it's happened to me too. And I'm look, I'm still here. Like, it happens. It's just that that style of hockey is not privy. To the overall uh, exploitment of offensive potential—that is the best way I can put it—and that's frustrating for hockey fans who simply want to see goals. I get that, I, ex- I understand that, and I respect that. But um, John Tortorella is in the business of winning hockey games, and he could give two flying—you can fill in the blanks—about you know the offensive production of one player. Just because it messes up your fantasy, like let's let's be honest here, right? Because if you look at the way that Patrick Liney has played since, uh, Patrick Liney has been their best player. Like I'm sorry, this is this is hands down second best player. Uh,
1: well, who's their best player? Well, I had to. Di- we had to discuss uh, the other player in that trade, Roslovic.
2: Yes. Well, obviously, Jack Roslovic is 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 just a monster yeah. at this point. But it it goes to show you a few things because we're all looking at Tortorella, right? And nobody has talked about this online. We're all looking at Tortorella right now and being like, oh my God, he benched Lainey for one game. Jack Roslovich has been set free. Nobody's talking about how Paul Maurice stagnates offensive potential in Winnipeg. Nobody wants to talk about that. How do you have a guy like Jack Roslevich who comes onto a new team, finally is given an opportunity in the top six and starts producing at a point per game ratio. And then you turn around and you hear all the stories coming out of Winnipeg on how Shifley and Wheeler and Maurice want a specific type of player. And if you do not fit that mold, you're shunned. Maybe we're looking at the wrong coach here. Maybe John Tortorella should just be allowed to be John Tortorella and maybe we should be looking at the Winnipeg Jets and being like, well, why are your prospects and young players that you're bringing into your team that aren't drafted in the top five or 10, why are they being stagnated because they don't fit a certain mold? And so, counter grain to the current rhetoric of the NHL, I look at a guy like Roslovich, I look at a guy like Liney, and I'm like, oh my God, these guys are making players in Columbus look so much better than they are. Is that a testament to the fact that they were made to play that way under... Cordarella in the time that they've been there? Or is that a counter to the experience that they had in Winnipeg, where they were consistently dogged to keep up with the style and vision of the core and coaching staff? So to me, watching these players excel in Columbus is music to my ears because A. Roslovich is is that coveted local player for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's from the Ohio region. And then Patrick Liney is is if he continues to play the way he has and just overall, I feel like he's setting himself up for a nice niche there. I feel like the only thing this team overall, in my opinion, is missing is really a, a quality top six center. uh you know, with a, a Rozlevic that's it's slowly kind of rising through the ranks. Tessier has been really good for them, but you know they they see him maybe as a winger, maybe as a center. It depends. And Max Domi has simply just not lived up to the hype, uh, six points in 16 games. Um, so I just ultimately think that Columbus is just right now. I think that everybody that was that was harping on them uh, eventually is going to have to eat crow because Tortorella seems to be winning in this debate.
0: I think that's we, I think we have it right there. So let's just go on ahead and let's start breaking down the divisional race as it happens right now. Honda West, Scotia North, Mass Mutual East and Discover Central. Uh, Adam, uh, your pick. What do you want to start off with?
1: Let's start with the North.
0: The North. And currently in the lead are the Leafs. Uh, short lead, but a lead nonetheless. Uh, so what do you want to talk about first in the North? What do we need to say? T- no.
1: Well, first of all, as you said, uh, actually, I'm going to correct myself from earlier Ottawa is now up to four wins. They uh, actually won one between Montreal and the Toronto game. Uh, honestly, for this division, is well the Winnipeg Jets. We were just bashing them, but they 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 seem like they they've got their game together. They're now up to 19 points in 15 games, but lost to Ottawa. It looks just looks like Ottawa is going to beat every top team that that makes it in top three this year. So. There's parody, man. There's parody. It's fun. None of this weak division stuff that everyone's been saying. And look, it's uh, it keeps to be the the most entertaining division. Uh, Other than that, Edmonton seems to be hanging on to a playoff spot even though they have no goaltending and two players up front. And then there's Calgary that just I really hope they get going and they actually start winning more games so they make the playoffs. But It really looks like the top four as of now could be the top four at the end of the season.
2: It really does look like that. I I will say that a Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg and Edmonton, uh, I expected more from Calgary. Um, They've been doing better as of late, a 6-4 and record in their last 10. Um, Obviously, we know the, um, the tire fire that has become the Vancouver Canucks defensive system um and then obviously yes there is ottawa who is far 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 behind but uh we'll probably be playing playing spoiler throughout the entirety of this year so uh as a montreal canadians fan i'd be utterly embarrassed if this team did not make the playoffs seeing the way things are going but i've been embarrassed more often than not by this hockey team um one thing that has been ver- very surprising to me is how winnipeg uh, was able to to stay alive in this race despite Liney playing one game for them this year and Pierre-Luc Dubois only getting in in two or three. I I think that that's pretty spectacular for them. Although they did lose to Ottawa two one. I know how that feels. Uh, so not necessarily the best look, but uh, you know they've run roughshod on on the Sens before. So I guess it was just a revenge game. Ultimately, I think that this is. A division to watch out for because you really never know who's gonna win. Uh, as we just highlighted for twenty minute, uh, for what felt like twenty minutes before, uh, between the Leafs and the Sens, uh, the Sens. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Sens have a two game win streak going on right now. Is that is that really a thing? Holy moly! That's, Go Ottawa. That's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. First time in the season, so I'm pumped for them. Um, it's uh, it's they're gonna do good for their young kids as well. Have you seen Stutzler? doing well and that's really what's been fun about this division is all the young kids Suzuki's uh coming out and 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 doing really well uh that that is to me the the division I like to watch now I'd like to talk to you about a very and I mean excruciatingly tight division uh, and that would be the Discover Central division folks because uh we have Tampa Bay in first with 21 points, Florida in second with 20 points, Carolina and tied for second, essentially with 20 points as well. And then Chicago uh, with 20 points. Uh, I did not foresee this to be the top four uh, a month or five weeks into the season. Like, I'm sorry, I did not. And I, I am completely floored that the Dallas Stars started on fire and then proceeded to teeter off uh, with a couple of losses in OT. Um, Although Nashville and Detroit are exactly where they're supposed to be, in my opinion. Uh, just Chicago has risen above their injury issues through the continued work of Patrick Kane and uh, Dabrinko. And a
1: rookie goaltender uh,
2: as, as well. And a rookie goaltender by the name of Senior Uh Just absolutely spectacular. So I, I'm really pumped for them because it started off really bad. And then we um, so I'm really pumped for them. Uh, one team to watch out for though, and I will say this: uh, in that division, I don't think Columbus is done. I think that Columbus is trying to find itself right now, and if it continues the way it does, I think this may be a six-team
1: race to the end. And and for me, my team, who's been very impressive in that division, is Florida, and I have to I have to mention again goaltender. Like, Florida's been winning with Drieger and Nets. They haven't even gotten stellar. How embarrassing like, is that? When does Bobrovsky get going? And my, my... When does Bobrovsky get bought out? Wow, man. Would that cap hit? Imagine. But my, I'm sure he's going to get going. And when he does, if if the whole team keeps playing the way they do, watch out. They could... I'm going to say today, they could win the division in my opinion. As for Dallas... I feel like it was a week ago we were talking about them being four and zero, and now in twelve games they only got one more win. That's wow. I, then again, they have to get going at some point. So yeah, this division is going to be close till the end. Uh, n- now the division I want to jump back to is the Mass Mutual East, where Oof. where wow I destroyed Boston in the preseason. Um preseason previews and now they're all of a sudden they're 10 two and two so
2: yeah absolutely i think they're they're kicking butt right now i think uh that's pretty ridiculous in my opinion Um, they were doing well okay so when we made our predictions we thought that both brad marchand and david pasternak were going to miss a month they would have been back by now brad marchand started the season and pasternak was back within two weeks So it's like they didn't even skip a beat. Obviously, they've been getting injuries on defense, but Boston is getting uh, prime play uh, from their top players and and therefore are running roughshod, which really, in my opinion, uh, and this is where we like to have jokes, Tampa Bay is is at the top of their division. Boston is at the top of their division. And Montreal and Toronto are at the top of their division. How strong... Would that, with the yeah, okay, I'm sorry I, for those that can't see, AJ is dancing in the background. Uh, I agree. How insane would that division have been this year if you if they would have all been in the same like? I, I just shudder at the thought. I can't wait for, for next season just to see what those rivalries will look like now that these teams are all in a competitive scenario. Um, but yeah, no, Boston has been stellar, absolutely stellar for me. Uh, I think a team that. And I, I, I we've, you know, we've talked about it at length, and and there's, you know, obviously going to be changes, but a team for me that just, you know, we saw coming, faltering right out of the gate, the Buffalo Sabers. I mean, Taylor Hall doesn't have a goal since his first game of the season. Not he just has one goal on the season. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys, one goal on the season. This guy signed an eight million dollar contract, looking to you know, get all kinds of points and, and, and get a payday. And all of a sudden, all we see is he's, he's just running shotgun with Jack Eichel and he's just getting points off assists from Jack Eichel or Victor Olofsson. It's to me nonsensical. I feel like the Buffalo Sabres are perpetually stuck in the same warp and that's, they cannot seem to get the right core pieces in place or not, not just the right core pieces. I take that, I take that back because Sandin and, and, and Eichel are fantastic but they just do not seem to surround them properly with the elite depth required to make the playoffs and i just it, it makes me sad because i had them this low
1: but just watching them lately it's it's really sad to, to to see and final note on that division new jersey hasn't played in in a week um they they're still sitting at 9 games uh, compared to 13 14 11 for the other teams so watch out for for new jersey when they resume play I think that they could they were really looking good before all the postponements so they could i feel like they could come in the top four in, in the upcoming weeks for sure as for our last yeah. division oh marco did you want to add anything on on new jersey well
2: i i just wanted to not necessarily do new jersey but as you as to your credit you're pointing out the the games and whatnot keep an eye guys keep an eye out on points percentage the NHL has gone out of its way to put points percentage as a column in their stats this year. The reason for that is because there's, there's a possibility. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying there's a possibility if things do get a little out of control, uh, with, with COVID and whatnot, that teams won't play the same amount of games. And I think points percentage is what they're going to use then in that case to really kind of, you know, place the teams. Cause right now, The best points percentage in the NHL belongs to a division we haven't yet touched on. uh, And it belongs to the Vegas Golden Knights. And that, uh, my friends, is the Honda West division, uh, which we have yet to discuss. Um, A few surprises, Adam, in my opinion. um, But if, again, we're looking purely at a win percentage in this case, or at least points percentage, uh, it would be the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, I did not see Arizona having a 500 record at this point. I am sorry. Um, I expected a little bit more from the San Jose Sharks, the Minnesota Wild. Uh, in theory, in theory, if it were pure points percentage, the Minnesota Wild would be in the playoffs right now, uh, along with the Colorado Avalanche, St. Louis Blues, and the Vegas Golden Knights. But still, I did not think Arizona would be this close to competing for a spot. So power to them. Power to, again. To Rick Tockett, who continues to make miracles out of nothing. Um, and, you know, Adam and I were talking about this, but Jacob Chitren has really just taken up his game this year, in my opinion. I feel like it has contributed heavily in t- terms of the defensive stability of that team. So uh, just overall, hand clap for, for, for that defensive brigade. Uh, and obviously, Connor Garland,
1: who is an absolute joy to watch for the Coyotes. And... And we have to mention this division, Minnesota, 11 games played, Colorado, 12 games played. Uh, I feel like those two teams could just jump up the standings as well. And then you have Vegas standing at 10-2-1 with 13 games played, which is just crazy. So I think Vegas is so far the clear winner for this division. They've been playing really good and they've been getting a really good goaltending by Fleury because Leonard's been injured, so... Very good to see for him. And yeah, I think that wraps up our, our division uh, overviews.
0: Yeah, just uh, lots of good hockey being played. Uh, unfortunately, no Habs hockey until the weekend, but we can indulge in some of the great matchups that Marco and Adam have been detailing. Just a couple more stories before we tag out for the show. So a couple of things. Uh, if you're not paying attention, we kind of skipped over it, but uh, there is a GM situation, potentially a brewing in uh, the Vancouver Canucks land. I'm sure many of Canucks fans would breathe a sigh of relief uh, but uh, we don't have really have much more to report on that. So we're going to save that for next week. We'll see if there's anything that shakes out uh, key things that you would want to be aware of. Uh, and if you are aware of just about world news, there's a pretty big uh, ice, uh, well, snowfall that happened in Texas and also Northern Mexico. It's caused a lot of blackouts, including um, the postponement of some games. Uh, we wish everyone over there, because we, we understand winter, like we're from Montreal. We get it. We understand that life. We're kind of used to this, but for the Shoveled for four hours today, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Who who needs the gym when you can just lift snow? Uh, So I think at the end of the day, uh, we, the reality is, is that we we feel for you guys because nobody wants to be put in that situation. There's some harrowing stories that will come out of people um, just even uh, dying, unfortunately, but just because they couldn't, they can stay warm and it's really terrifying. So uh, we, our thoughts are with you guys. We, We hope we can send rescue crews as soon as possible. And we're hoping that you guys are in good shape. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, larger things than hockey, but still hockey is affected in that respect. So minor story on that front, but again, we're keeping our thoughts with you, the people there. Uh, from other things that are going on, uh, let's talk about the NHL considering changes to the lottery. Adam, you had this in your sort of picks. So uh, what, what did Pierre LeBron kind of reveal about this?
1: So they were looking, uh, basically the key, the key points, the key takeaways were that they would increase the percentage uh, chance of winning the lottery when you fall in the top three picks or top three bottom picks actually in the league and they would also put in place a rule that would not allow basically teams to pick in the bottom three twice in a row if i'm not mistaken marco maybe have more on that well aren't rangers fans going to be a little upset with that rule
2: it's i don't know i don't know look i i am of the ilk that you shouldn't even be in the lottery if you've won one of the three picks the year prior, like you're trying to impose parity, right? Really, you are. But if a team consistently loses and is consistently bad, like Buffalo, they shouldn't be rewarded. Ridiculous. One out of 10 years, one out of exactly one out of 10 years, they're gonna win the lottery, which they did. They drafted Rasmus Sandin, right? Even after having. Eichel, Reinhardt, uh, Ristoline, like I, I, I can keep going. Wait, you meant Dahlien, but... right? What did I say? Sandin? Sandin? Yeah. My apologies. Dahlien. Yes, the actual good defenseman between the <laughs> two. Sorry about that, Leafs fans. Um, when it comes to elite talent going to the same bottom feeder teams, like I understand why it was so open initially when, when they really kind of opened up the lottery system. Because they wanted the teams that were at the bottom, which were usually this, you know, those U.S. Mar- young market teams, to really get those stars to be better, um, to be better equipped marketing-wise, uh, and to put you know good teams on the ice as soon as possible. I get it. All your teams are established. Even Seattle is probably going to have a better team than the worst team in the NHL by the end, of, by the start of next year, because the expansion draft rules are just so bare compared to what it used to be uh, in the nineties and early two thousands. Ultimately speaking, I feel like any form of limitation in terms of the perpetual winning of lotteries uh, would be great. And this is a step towards that. So power to the league, which has usually been extremely uh, conservative in terms of the rulings of their drafting, uh, especially when it comes to the lottery, they changed it recently about four years ago. Uh, to include a three uh, position lottery instead of just a lottery for the first overall pick, uh, and I think further uh, measures to really just kind of cancel out this notion of tanking uh, would be great for the game because quite frankly, it should never be a, I had the worst I iced the worst team in the last thirty years, like Detroit last year or the Colorado Avalanche a couple of years ago. Uh, and therefore, I'm going to get the first overall pick. No, no, no. You're going to pick fourth overall.
1: Although it worked out for Colorado. They picked McCar. Didn't it work out for Edmonton, though? Yeah, well... Or didn't Edmonton, yet, but... We'll oh, see. Edmonton. Dems
0: the breaks. Dems the breaks. But I love the idea that we're not uh, rewarding mediocrity, um, especially year in and year out. because uh, That just That's seems correct. to me like you're just creating a situation where you're just picking up picks because you suck. And... I think that's, I think we're all on the same page on this. Nobody's going to defend sucking like this. You shouldn't. So Mark Benjamin had some also good news from has fans. And that of course is that Cole Caulfield will be probably making his uh, pro debut after his NCAA season this year. Marco, you've been giving us all the goods on this fabulous prospect and now eventually going to be a pro player for the Montreal Canadiens. What are you thinking? What are, is Mark Benjamin in the right direction on this? Uh, obviously. So yep. there we go. There's the answer, everybody. Thanks Absolutely. for joining us here on the I hockey mean, flow. We really appreciate it.
2: I feel like it was it's it's an inevitable decision. I feel like he's got nothing to learn in the NCAA at this point. Um, since coming back from the world Juniors, he's pretty much been at two points per game uh it, It's almost ridiculous. uh to me, at this point he's got to improve his speed of execution, which is already really good, but for a player, his size it's got to get even faster. He's got to learn how to play the more physical game um he's got to learn how to play you know in an even tighter situation and and just be that much more uh think the game that much more uh effectively and quickly um so yeah absolutely I think not only for not only Cole Caulfield but potentially even Jordan Harris are going to be jumping ship uh from the NCAA uh to uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh or the Laval Rocket I honestly would prefer the Laval Rocket to, to be completely honest with you for both but if Cole Caulfield is going to get a cup of coffee uh, in the NHL, you know, maybe two games. Why not? You're already burning a year of his ELC anyway. Go, go crazy. Um, and he's not the only player in the NCAA that's probably jumping ship. Uh, Adam Ferentz is probably jumping ship. Uh, Matt Boldy's is more, more than likely going to go play for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, you know, there's countless of other NCAA talent uh, that are probably going to jump ship because their season ends in April with the NCAA championship. The last two teams play until the 9th of of April. The NHL season ends the 12th of March. So not only can they play for a month, which is a rarity, uh, something that doesn't usually happen in a regular NHL season, they can even go into the playoffs if the team is competitive. So this is, again, a unique season and further adds to that notion. So really down and for a team like the Montreal Canadiens having a Cole Caulfield going into the season, that'd be pretty cool. Amen to that. And uh, oh, this episode of the uh, Hockey Flow was pretty cool as well. Thanks so much
0: for joining us, fans. We really appreciate it. Of course, Marco D'Amico can be found at scrimmageandstats.com and, of course, at the Hockey Expert. Export. Export. <laughs> at the Hockey Expert. Oh, boy. We're tired here, folks. This is what happens at the end of the day. So, uh, in any case, you can always follow us at The Hockey Flow, D A H O C K E Y F L O W on Twitter. You can find, um, follow, really, Adam B on Twitter. And of course, Marco D'Amico can be found at descriptionstats.com and at The Hockey Expert. I'm Major Cordero, and I'm tired. Hopefully, we'll catch you guys next week.